This podcast may contain strong language and references to violence. Listener discretion is advised. The citizens handle. The citizens Koto, no my hide my and welcome to the Citizens Handbook podcast, the companion podcast to the Citizens Handbook web series that you should watch. And if you haven't watched it, go do that right now. My name is Robbie, and this is a podcast for people who want to know about New Zealand but hate to read. So, we've invited a comedian and turned civics education into a game that someone can win. To make sure that nobody cheats, we've got a moderator called Finn. Finn, tell us how the game works. Okay, Robbie, I will. Thanks, Finn. Robbie and our guest are going to take turns explaining a topic to each other, but they're also going to sneak in three cheeky little lies. Whoever spots the most lies from the other person wins. Easy. Easy. Today our special guest is Eli Mathewson, head writer of Have You Been Paying Attention and co-host of queer comedy podcast The Male Gaze. We'll be talking about the market, the system of trading money for stuff and stuff for money again and again until you die. We'll be talking about two giants of New Zealand economics. I'll be talking about Sir Roger Douglas and Eli will be talking about Marilyn Waring. There'll also be some lies to look for, hidden away like horcruxes about to be destroyed by a magical teen. Hi, Eli. Hi, Robbie. How are you doing? I'm feeling ready to be lied to, actually. Oh, fantastic. I have tremendous news for you. What's that? Um, I'm going to lie to you. I'm just going to... Oh, that's my kink. Well, great. (laughs) You know, don't get too into it. Yeah, I went. went, (laughs) Okay, it's an RNZ podcast, so... But even if I was, it's just audio. That's true. The listener will never know. (laughs) This is for kids, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Nah. Okay, great. I'm going to lie to you about Sir Roger Douglas. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Sir Roger Douglas is widely regarded as a saviour of the New Zealand economy or an absolute son of a bitch. He's most famous for Rogernomics, the economic policies passed by the fourth Labour government under Prime Minister David Lange, while Roger Douglas was Minister of Finance. Rogernomics happened in the 1980s, and it involved the government running its organisations more like corporations, the deregulation of the financial sector, and cutting taxes, with the top tax rate dropping from 40% down to 33%. It was hugely important for saving the New Zealand economy, or the worst thing to ever happen to poor people in the history of New Zealand. Sir Roger Douglas was born on the 5th of December 1937, and his family were a bunch of unionist politicos. His dad was Labour MP for Auckland Central, and his brother was Labour MP for Hunua. Douglas grew up in a state house, attended a state school, and got a degree in accountancy for free. He later became a Monaco city councillor, with a salary paid by local ratepayers, and then became a Labour Party MP in Monaco, with a salary paid by New Zealand taxpayers. In 1972, Roger Douglas became the youngest cabinet minister in 50 years, at the age of 34. He even beat out his own father, who did not become a member of Cabinet, which sucked for both of them and was extremely awkward. As Minister of Broadcasting, Douglas turned the New Zealand Broadcasting Corporation into TV1, TV2 and RNZ. Labour lost the election in 1975 and by 1981 Douglas was ready to retire, but David Lange convinced him to stay. 
1983, David Lange became leader of the party, making Roger Douglas the spokesperson for finance, setting the stage for the most radical financial reforms in New Zealand history. So, it's 1984. Robert Muldoon has called for an early election while he's clearly boozed out of his mind. It was a bad idea, and the National Party lost the election. And the fourth Labour government got down to business. They extended the Waitangi Tribunal's jurisdiction and passed the State-Owned Enterprises Act. They cut taxes and introduced GST, which meant you paid a tax every time you purchased anything. They floated the currency, deregulated the financial sector, passed the anti-nuclear law, decriminalised homosexuality, and introduced a Ministry of Women's Affairs. They were quite busy. They also drastically cut spending on social services. Douglas wanted to increase GST to 15% and charge people for university, and both of those things did eventually happen. You now pay tax on everything you buy, and university isn't free. So congratulations, Roger Douglas. Douglas and David Longing eventually got angry at each other, and then Roger wasn't Minister of Finance anymore. He didn't run for Parliament in 1990, got knighted in 1991, and in 1993 he co-founded the Association of Consumers and Taxpayers with former National Party MP Derek Quigley, which is a very funny name. Roger entered Parliament again as number three on the ACT Party list in 2008. He managed to get three members' bills drawn. To add a bonus for any person at the age of 16 or 17 who wanted to join the workforce, to cut all tariffs on goods imported into New Zealand, and to allow school boards to decide what to pay teachers rather than the Ministry of Education. All of these bills were just absolutely destroyed in their first reading, getting absolutely nowhere, and Douglas thought that might be enough politics, quitting in 2011. Roger Douglas left his centre-left party to co-found the most right-wing party in Parliament today. He was an enormously effective politician, had an enormous effect bringing neoclassical economic change to New Zealand, and he's a traitorous bastard or an absolute hero. The only thing we know for sure is that he was damn important. And that is Sir Roger Douglas. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the Labour finance guy. He was the Labour finance to guy. Found, found the Act Party. Yeah. Things have really changed in this country, haven't they? Yeah. Many times. Many times. But definitely this was like one of the big the big. A ones. lot of changes in a, lot a of short changes. amount of time. Real fast. Yeah. Oof. Okay. I wrote down a lot of things that could be potential lies here. Great. Derek Quigley being a funny name. Uh... Sure. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's a matter of opinion. Okay. To me... Derek Quigley it sounds silly. And that's a okay? fact. Okay, and that's funny. That's, a, that's an objective fact <laughs> as far as I'm fact. concerned. Good clarification. <laughs> okay. Here's... Uh, mm. oh. You said his father was the MP for Auckland Central. I did say that. And his brother was an MP for... Hunua. One of those could be not true. You said he was the youngest cabinet member ever. In 50 years. In 50 years. Could be not true. Okay. You said that they founded the Ministry of Women's Affairs while they were in Parliament. I did say that. And the tax rate dropping. I'm like, I wonder if it was more than what you said it was. Mm. These are the thoughts going through <laughs> my mind. My first accusation. Yes. His brother was not a politician. All right. I've got our first accusation of the episode. Oh, it's On the subject of Roger Douglas's brother. And that accusation is... Incorrect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to get all three. 
And now <laughs> it's absolutely not possible. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, so his brother was Labour MP and his dad was also a Labour MP and he was also a Labour MP. Um, yeah, nice. I, I don't know how they felt about the fact that he... <laughs> Went to really, <laughs> really yeah. changed the tone of the Labour Party. Uh, probably not great. Pulled you Arguably the, the most famous Douglas. Yeah. Yeah, Roger is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hadn't heard of it. I literally, having researched this, don't even know their names. <laughs> 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 couldn't, couldn't tell you. Actually, I will tell you, the whole time you were reading that story, yeah. every time you said Sir Roger Douglas, I was like, it's Sir Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's several lies. Yeah, Every you time you said Douglas, he was James Bond. Um, <laughs> this is way off. Minister of Finance. Um, I think that the Ministry of Women's Affairs was founded earlier than what you said, and that is an accusation. It's an official accusation from, yeah. from Eli. J'accuse. J'accuse. An official j'accuse from Eli. And... That one is incorrect. Oh, are you kidding me? I mean, a lot of the things that the Labour Party did in the 1980s, I mean, definitely should have been done a lot oh, earlier. Yeah. Like all the social stuff, you're like, oh, thank goodness. We had the fourth Labour government. And all the economic stuff, you're like, you're like what well, were you guys doing? I don't know. <laughs> so they made, gu- they made university not free anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was them. That was them. They put GST in. I don't... They cut yeah, tax. That, yeah, I'm not sure if that was Roger Douglas, I think, but he was pushing for it. Yeah. All right, you've got one accusation left, oh, Eli. Oh, I'm going to get everything wrong. Eh? You're going to do this. I'm going to accuse, I think the tax rate was dropped lower than what you said it was. All right, we've got an official accusation from Eli, and that accusation is... Correct. <gasps> Yay! I got one! Yeah. That's good. Because 33%, that's kind of... Well, it is. It what They did cut it to 33%, which, mm. is, which it still is. It has changed a bit in between, but it's settled back. The top tax rate is now 33% again. Wow. But before that, it was 66%. What? Yeah. So, wow. so we cut it in half. That's incredible. And it hasn't gone back up. But so if anybody's... You know, interested. Who was being taxed 66% of their income? Rich people. Really rich people. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Like now the top tax rate is every dollar over $70,000 you pay 33%. But you used to, top tax rate, pay 66% on every dollar over that. That's a lot. It is a lot. But you also got to remember it's every dollar over that. Like you don't pay. Oh, yeah, true, 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 true. You don't pay 66% on all your money. Yeah. Which, and it's kind of like, we know you've got enough money now. So. Anyway, this is all opinion and uh, <laughs> not fact, but, uh, you know. Great. Eli, you've got one for three. Yeah. Not a bad innings. It's okay. That means, though, that there must be two lies uh, buried in there somewhere still. Yeah, there are there are two lies. Do you want to tell us what His they are, please? His name is Sir Roger Moore. His name is Sir Roger Moore. <laughs> Everyone knows that, so embarrassing for you. <laughs> um, no, the two lies are one... That they drastically cut spending on social services. Mm. That's kind of like what people have in their head that they did in the 1980s. But actually they didn't. They actually increased funding to social services. Mm. Some people say that because they made the system more corporate, it meant that a lot of that funding went to like the people running the organizations rather than to like frontline services. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't really until the 1990s and like the Ruth Richardson... National Party budget that they were like, cut, 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 cut. Um, and then the other lie was that one of his members' bills was to add a bonus for any person at the age of 16 or 17 
who wanted to join the workforce. Actually, he wanted to lower the minimum wage. Wow. For anyone who was 16 or 17 who was working. Because he was like, Psh, you're a child. You don't need extra money. <laughs> you don't need money. You don't need any money. What, are you supporting your family because of my policies? <laughs> oh, you know, that did ping for me. But then I didn't write it down because I didn't have any more room on my paper. <laughs> <laughs> you lucky escape, Robbie. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so that's Roger Douglas. Stunning. You know? What a gorgeous man. <laughs> <laughs> What a stunning human being. <laughs> if you're listening, Roger, beautiful. Just yeah. a beautiful man. So at the end of round one, Eli has surged ahead with one point, <laughs> which means that it's now round two. So I'm going to throw it to you, Eli, cool. to do some explaining yourself. Okay. Get ready I'm to ready. hear all about Marilyn Waring. Now, New Zealanders have always punched above their weight on the world stage, and as it turns out, the world of economic theory is no different. Marilyn Waring is a former national MP for Raglan, founder of a modern feminist economics and namesake of the Waring principle of gendered incentivism. So how she do that? Well... It all started in 1974 when Labour Prime Minister Norm Kirk said he didn't want to treat homosexuality as, quote, normal behaviour. Marilyn, who was 21 at the time and gay, read that in the newspaper, was so horrified she went and signed up for the Young Nats. Soon after that, it was the 1975 election and the National Party was panicking because 1975 was actually International Women's Year and National Party didn't have any women candidates for the election and they thought that might look pretty bad. The only place they reckoned they could maybe squeeze in a woman candidate was the Raglan electorate, which happened to include Huntley, the hometown of Marilyn Waring. So she got the nomination, won the election, and went on to serve three terms for the national government under Muldoon. Most of the time, she was the only woman around. She was the only woman MP in Parliament during her nine years there. So she gets her three terms in Parliament, becomes the only MP on record to live on a boat, and then in 1984 she pushes Rob Muldoon to call a snap election and she gets out of there. She exits Parliament, starts farming goats, and goes into academia. She starts researching feminist economics and well-being and human rights, and she uses her time in Parliament and her knowledge of the national accounts to start to unpack how countries measure value in their economies. And after a while, she comes out with a book called If Women Counted. It blows everyone's cute little minds. She basically rips the GDP to shreds because she sees it as such a short-sighted and biased way of measuring an economy. She talks about how Exxon Valdez was the most productive oil tanker ever. And why was it so productive? Because of the money spent to clean up its oil spill. She said if you want to have fantastic growth, it's a good idea to just ram your tanker into an iceberg. Her main point was that so much of the world's productive activity is unpaid work by women. Looking after kids, cooking and cleaning, gathering firewood and water, etc. And all that work is left out of calculations of GDP, which means it's not valued or supported by governments, which amounts to huge international scale sexism. And because no one had been able to make sense of national accounting like that before, she spawned this whole academic discipline of feminist economics. And then the UN starts publishing a human development report, which starts to shift the focus of development economics onto human well-being instead of national income. Scotland starts publishing a budget equality statement alongside its annual budget to highlight how they're taking gender into account with their spending. 
And in other countries like Canada and South Korea and Australia, people who care for family members at home start getting better access to financial help because the government starts noticing them and the work they do because Marilyn was like, hey, maybe start looking for economic worth in places other than oil tanker spills. It was an economic revolution and more people should know about Marilyn Waring. Wow. Okay. Well, that is quite impressive. Or is it? Or is it? Because what? If, <laughs> wow. What if the three lies are the three most impressive? Bits? That, no. would, that would be. I would say morally wrong. Yeah. Be no, like, she's if you're very like, impressive. No, she didn't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> she was pretty dumb. Actually, she was just a normal person. <laughs> She's just chilling out at home the whole time. She's never even in government. <laughs> um, okay. What did I? What did I write down? I wrote down only one to live on a boat. And she started farming goats. Those two things jumped out as mm. as odd, certainly. But they are quirky. But you know what? Politicians are real people, and they do quirky things. Okay. Jacinta DJs. I don't know if you've heard about that little piece of trivia. <laughs> no, no, no. She's, for... she's kept that very under wraps. <laughs> yeah, she has. She has. Okay. You said for the full nine years that she was the only woman MP in Parliament. Mm. I think New Zealand was was backward at the time. I don't think we were that backward. I'm going to say she wasn't the only woman MP uh, in Parliament for, for the whole time that she was in Parliament. All right, we got accusation number one from Robbie mm-hmm. about the number of women MPs. Mm-hmm. And that accusation is correct. Yeah, that's a good start for you. Good start. She was the only woman there for three years of the nine years, though. Really? But I'll tell you who she crossed paths with. Who? The one and only Helen Rodham Clark uh, <laughs> came in in 1974. They had a brief crossover. <laughs> um, is Marilyn the one who crossed the floor on the nukes thing? Is that? She sure is. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. That triggered the snap election. Right. Okay. Well, now I know not to go for that. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lie. <laughs> Thank you, Eli. Um, okay. Oh, gonna... yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just handing you hey, more truths. No, it's great. <laughs> Tell me anything you want about what's true and what's a lie. Um, okay. The other thing that stood out was the idea that International Women's Year pushed the National Party to be like, oh, we need to have a woman. No, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say that I don't think it was International Women's Year that pushed them to uh, say, oh, gosh, we should have a, a woman uh, run for parliament. That accusation is incorrect. Oh, yeah. that's quite sad. Is I thought, it sad? I thought that maybe the National Party at that point was just like, oh, this is a bad look. Yeah. That we don't have a single woman running. You think, you think you'd still clock that if you didn't have a single woman running, regardless, regardless of what of, year yeah. it was. <laughs> and even then, for it to be International Women's Year and be like, well, I guess we should have one. <laughs> you know what? We're going to go all out. Yeah. Full representation. We're getting one woman. woman from Huntley. <laughs> Although arguably better than this episode of the podcast, but... Yes. But, so. but I, I think their party was slightly bigger than Right, three. it was more than three. Yeah, it was more than three <laughs> more people than three. in it. Uh, okay. One for two, Robbie. One for two. Could you repeat the part about the wearing principle? Okay. Marilyn Waring is a former National MP for Raglan, founder of modern feminist economics and the namesake of the wearing principle of gendered incentivism. Hmm. The wearing principle of gendered incentivism. Mm. But I don't I, no. Okay, I'm going to say she didn't farm goats. <laughs> 
All right. Real left turn there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Accusation number three from Robbie. Yeah. Marilyn Waring did not farm goats. That accusation is incorrect. <gasps> you big dummy. She loved goats. <laughs> goats are a main actually, thing. I can't verify that she loved them, but she did do, <laughs> do it as a job for a bit. Yeah. So what was the what was the other? There are, there are two other lines. There are two other there. lines. One of them is she lived on a boat, which she did pick oh. up and then decided <laughs> that farming goats was more unusual. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh. were, they were both right next to each other as peculiar things. Yeah. But I stumped for goats. Loaded them up next to each other to yep. throw you off. And then you're going to kick yourself. <laughs> the wearing principle of gender. It is made up. That's just made up. There's no, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. damn it. Yeah. I was so close. You were really close, actually. Oh. A lot closer than I was. Crazy that we got the same <laughs> score when, to be honest, you were a better player on the day. <laughs> well... Now what happens? Wow. So this has never happened before on this podcast, <gasps> but we have a tie at the end of two rounds. Oh my goodness. Which oh. means that we're going to have to go to a tiebreaker. How the tiebreaker works is I'm going to ask you a question mm. and you're both going to give me your best guess. All right. So because this is a podcast about New Zealand civics and history yeah, and, and, and your knowledge about the country has really been put to the test, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my question for you today is when did the landmass that would become New Zealand separate from Gondwana? Oh, well, I mean... Wow. Okay. I'll give you a clue. It yeah. was a while ago. Oh. Have, have you both got answers written yeah. down? I've written an answer down, yeah. All right. You can now... Robbie, what have you written down? I wrote down 800 million years ago. Oh, I wrote down 12 million years ago. Oh. Wow. Different scales. Yeah. 800 million years ago. Is that crazy? That was like the big Far bang. Far out. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh my god! That was the date of the Big Bang. The correct, I think, <laughs> could be wrong. The correct answer was, in fact, eighty-five million years ago. So Eli yes. wins. You've oh, taken it out. That feels good because, oh. <laughs> as you said, you should be good at this. Yeah, <laughs> I did prep my Gondwana land knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, Eli. You've won this episode. Yep, the worst player won on the day. <laughs> well, no, not true. The points speak for themselves, Eli. You've taken it out. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, thank you so much. It was wonderful to be invited here and uh, and to leave with a victory. Congratulations, Eli. Thank you so much for being on the Citizens Handbook podcast on this episode on the market. The Citizens If you liked this podcast, you'll love the web series, The Citizen's Handbook, and you can find it at rnz.co.nz. The Citizen's Handbook podcast was researched and written by Phineas Teppett and me, Robbie Nickel. It is produced by Izzy Walton and Kevin and Co. The technical producer is Tim Batt. RNZ supervising producer is Justin Gregory, and RNZ senior commissioner is Kay Elmers. Tim Watkin is RNZ's executive producer for podcasts and series. 
This podcast was made possible by the RNZ and NZ On Air Innovation Fund. You can subscribe to this and every other RNZ podcast at Apple, Spotify and other podcast providers. Please give us a rating. That way other people get to hear about the show. Thank you.